You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Freedom Strips, Hot Off the Presses. I'm your host, Keaton Tucker. I uh, I had an idea for this episode and I kind of scrapped it um, two days ago. Uh, and the reasoning for that is because of this latest um, and terrible tragedy that happened in New Zealand and with the current heated debate about gun control. And this seems to be a a consistent thing. I I used to think that the gun control debate was, um, pretty boring and it wasn't really going anywhere. Everyone kind of had their opinions on the topic. Um, already most people that you talk to already have their opinions. They're not really changing their minds, but I thought it would be beneficial to talk about guns and gun control and the second amendment this episode, because there is far too much misinformation and and just outright lies about um, the facts about guns and gun control. And so my guest that I wanted to bring on was uh, my good friend, Matt Bell. I wanted to have him back because Matt lives in Georgia. He's an avid hunter and he knows a lot about guns. And I know that uh, he can express his opinions very eloquently. So Matt Bell, thank you for coming on again, brother. Ooh, very eloquently. There's no pressure there. Uh, you've had some really brilliant guests on that uh, are very well spoken. So the pressure to not be an idiot on your show is at an all time high. No, I had a I had a couple of people that said they enjoyed uh, when you were on last time, and I know that you know neither of us are on the level of a uh, a great Chris Spangle or a Brian Nichols. You know, some of those guys that know the ins and outs of the uh, the libertarian and liberty movement and and just the overall um, political circus that is uh, currently going on. They're, they're very smart individuals. I, I wouldn't try to pretend I was anything like them, but uh, I did get a lot of compliments on your last episode. So I did want to have you back. Well, and I like talking to you. That is Man, it's you know we're friends, so it's fun. It's a good time. I just uh, try to set the expectations really low for everyone <laughs> after those people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I think everyone's going to be uh, just as pleased with this episode as the last. So um, to to kind of dive on in uh, to the topic at hand, I, I wanted to start off with um, this event that happened in Christchurch, New Zealand, and the media coverage. Uh, that has been going around about it. Um, I'm sure most of our listeners have already heard about the event. It, it's 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 been all over the news for the past week. Um, however, if you don't know the details, in Christchurch, New Zealand, last week there was a terrorist attack on two mosques. Uh, over 50 are left dead. The gunman that went into these mosques was armed with an AR-15, and the thing about it is he recorded his manifesto before the attack explaining exactly why he was, um, 
exactly why he chose these um, these mosques, exactly why he chose the weapon he did, and exactly why he was doing this atrocious act. He said that he, the exact reason why he performed this attack was to accelerate the culture war in the United States. That was his goal number one, to just accelerate the culture war and to get this heated debate going at an even hotter flame. Um, he knew exactly that if he used the AR-15 specifically, if he targeted Muslims specifically, and in a, play, uh, in a place of prayer, um, he knew that all of these uh, items would spark a, um, a fire underneath this culture war in an already heated culture war in the United States. Um, and he knew the media was going to fan that flame. He said that the left media would go immediately to blame Trump and the right and the right would go and shift blames and they would just be at each other's throats. Um, and what did the media do after knowing this? They fell right into his trap. They did exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah, it was it was, it was almost, um, you know, I didn't read his manifesto, um, but I did watch uh, some of the live stream and it was it was brutal to watch. Yeah, it was scary stuff. It, I, I didn't was, watch. I d- didn't watch the whole thing. Obviously, I could only watch a couple seconds, but it was it was pretty horrifying stuff to see. Yeah, it was. It, you're, you're watching a monster. Um, you're you're watching somebody who is preying on innocence, preying on uh, people who were just going to their place of worship to pray, and that you know. Whether, whatever your religion you are, when someone goes to their house of prayer to believe in something bigger than themselves, that's, that's, that's a good thing. And um, people believing in something more than themselves is, is a great thing. And uh, to go to a place like that and, and just chase people down hallways and they're huddled in the corner, you know, and, and you're just bent on their destruction. There's just nothing to say other than you're just left in shock. It's yeah. horrible to watch. He's just a sick individual. Um, he is in custody along with his other accomplices. Um, the media coverage on this has been about as you would expect. It's been pretty normal if you have seen the coverage on um, past shootings uh, in the United States. Of course, this one did not take place in the United States. This was in New Zealand. However, we are talking about it um, specifically because... This was such a terrible act, and specifically because it was carried out to accelerate the culture war in the United States. And so, with the media coverage, what I wanted you to hear, and what I wanted the listeners to hear, was what exactly the um, the left was saying um, during this attack. So, what we have is, we have Brooke Baldwin um, coming in from CNN, and let's take a listen to what she had to say. Did you notice how quickly New Zealand is taking action on guns? 72 hours after this attack. At least one gun shop owner is refusing to sell certain guns in the magazines that enable them to use more bullets. New Zealand's biggest online auction site has banned semi-automatics and associated accessories, saying that it is clear public sentiment has changed. That's a quote. My point is this. They have all come together to try and find a solution as fast as possible so this doesn't become routine. Routine? In America, it's just the opposite. Instead of coming together to come up with concrete solutions like this, each side runs back to its partisan corners. Sales of guns often go up 
after mass shootings. It is a crisis in America, no matter which side you are on, whether it is concert goers or high school students or worshipers or first graders. Nearly 40,000 people in the United States died by guns in 2017. That is a record high, according to the CDC. And think about this. That Sandy Hook massacre, that was back in December of 2012. Seven years later, seven, the families, still fighting for justice and for change, just learned they can proceed with a lawsuit against the gunmakers. Proceed with a lawsuit. That's their victory seven years later. Okay, so there are several things to unpack right there um, with what she brought up. She brought up to kind of outline exactly her points. Um, she was very obviously frustrated because New Zealand, and and this just happened actually yesterday, New Zealand already passed gun laws to ban semi-automatic weapons um, along with the uh, AR-15 and rifles, and they're doing a... Um, they're doing confiscation and mandatory buybacks um, on those weapons. They, they have already signed that into law. I believe the law will take place in April, um, but they've already moved forward with that. So she's complaining that the U.S. has not made um, knee-jerk reactions and knee-jerk policies to, uh, to, to curb gun violence in the United States. She also sell, said that gun sales spike after these events in the United States. She, she claimed that 40,000 were killed every year due to gun violence, as well as she brought up the uh, lawsuit where the Sandy Hook families are taking legal action against Remington Arms, the manufacturer of the AR-15, the weapon used in the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, so what I want to do is kind of go point by point uh, on those, but... Matt, do you want to kind of outline the, the the reasoning why these she she claims that each side in the United States after these events happen, each side goes to their corners and nothing gets done, um, and that's I believe is because we have something in the United States that New Zealand does not, and that is a constitution and rights, the Bill of Rights. Yeah, it's always interesting to me why the rest of the world cares what the United States thinks or cares about United States politics or cares about United States policy. What does a person in New Zealand care about the rhetoric in the United States uh, political scene? Why? Why do they care? If there's not something incredibly rare and special about the Bill of Rights, why do people care? And the answer is, it's a really big deal. Because Western civilization is a really big deal, and the pillars of Western civilization are individual freedom and sovereign property rights. The ability for the individual to not be bullied by a group, this is why we have a republic and not a democracy. Right. And the ability of the individual to have sovereign property rights so that when you own your property, it's not like back in Robin Hood times where it's the king's deer or it's the king's whatever, and you're just a, a, a serf working the property and it's a feudal system where uh, everything is owned by an oligarchy or a group of really rich people or a king like that's that's not western civilization the pillars are individual freedoms and sovereign property rights and we saw this we saw after the enlightenment when individual uh, the individual began to elevate 
in society to say, hey, it's really important for each person to own his own hands and to have uh, the ability to manifest his own destiny. And the French went a little bit different in their revolution. They went more of a, the individual is at the whim of the group. And the French Revolution did not go so well. And so we see that there's something really, really beautiful and awesome and important and um, almost almost godlike in its inspiration and that is of Western civilization. And really quick, the reason the Second Amendment is so important is because it is the mechanism in which Western civilization is defended. And yeah. if you can if you're going to have the conversation with somebody about gun control, you have to start out at a very honest and truthful beginning. And that is the idea of what Western civilization is and what the second amendment was created for and how important it actually is. And then you have to ask the question of, is there ever a case in the history of the world where a government has become tyrannical or over overreaching? Has it ever turned on its citizens? Well, you can, you can mention Mao's China, Stalin's USSR, Mussolini, Hitler, Pol Pot, and like you and I have even talked about, Operation Northwood, where even the United States government has attempted to deceive and murder its own citizens for some sort of political agenda outside of the best interest. For those that don't know, Operation Northwood is a declassified operation. This this happened in 1962, Um, and the idea was – that the CIA and the United States government would, this was a false flag plan. So what the United States government had written into an operation, this went all the way up to president Kennedy. Okay. Kennedy didn't sign it, but it went all the way to the president. This was an operation that was designed to kill United States, American citizens and military targets and to blame it on the Cuban government. They were going to sink boats. They were going to hijack planes. They were going to blow up um, United States destroyers. They were going to shoot up movie theaters. Th- th- all of this to kill U.S. citizens to get a, a war with the Cuban government. Uh, this is all declassified. This is, is factually proven. And this was in 1962. The, yeah. The, go on with your what you were saying, but I, I just wanted to clarify that for those that didn't know that – you know, people scoff at the idea that the United States government would actually, uh, you know, stoop to this level, but they already have. And in recent history. Yeah. And you can watch the movie Charlie Wilson's War and see that there's enough backroom armament deals. I mean, Fast and Furious with Eric Holder. Uh, there's a lot of things that go right. on that are that are not in the best interest of the average American citizen. And what what options do you have at that point? Like, do you, do you go to Eric Holder's house and say, Hey, can I talk to you about fast and furious? Yeah, right. That's not going to happen. But what you have to ask is, is there, has there ever been a case that you can say that governments have become too powerful and needed to be resisted? And the answer is, of course you can. And so if that is the case and that has happened, I can say, okay, I'm open to gun control. As long as we have another mechanism in place for the citizens to resist an overreaching government, what can a citizen do when a law is passed by its government that 
that person considers too far. What, what, what's the mechanism that they have? For right now, we know that it's guns. Why do we know that? Because that's the, that's the, the enforcing mechanism that has been chosen by the government. So if you have if you're speeding down the road Keaton and a policeman pulls out behind you and he tries to pull you over and you say no I'm not pulling over he is going to chase you until he can apprehend you and then he is going to draw a weapon on you and threaten great bodily harm unless you comply. If you do not also have the ability to resist at the risk of great bodily harm you don't have the ability to resist. And so I think we would be open to the idea. Pro-second people are not, they're not all gun nuts. They're not all violence crazy people. But we have to have the conversation of, well, then what is the mechanism that a citizenry can resist a government that has become too overreaching and is oppressing its people? Because if it's not guns, and it's interesting that the, the Second Amendment doesn't say anything about guns. It says arms, and arms are the ability to resist, the ability to protect yourself, to protect your property, and that goes back to the pillars of Western civilization. And so if we're not having the conversation with pro-gun control people of, hey, we're actually weakening Western civilization, and a lot of times the answer is, I don't care, I just want to be safe, and at that point, you really can't have the conversation but it's not that, that gun people or it's not that pro-Second Amendment people are pro-gun necessarily. It's that their pro-ability to stop a federal government from overreaching. And the reason that is, is because our founding fathers wrote it in. The First Amendment, free speech. You have to be able to have whatever ideas and opinions you want and you can say them and no one can do anything to you. And the second is you have to have the ability to defend yourself and stop somebody should they try to take that away. And once you change that, what you're actually asking for in gun control is a fundamental change of the ability of the individual to protect the pillar of Western civilization. And until we have that conversation inside of a gun control debate, because it's always... Well, should we have a database? Should we have fingerprints? Should we have smart firearms? Should we have a lower capacity ammunition? And it's like, okay, these aren't really the heart of the debate. The heart of the debate is what do we have in place? What mechanism of defense does the citizenry have against its government? And if you say it's protesting, if you say it's voting, or you say it's peaceful demonstrations, then you have to go back to has there ever been a case where those did not work. And you don't have to go back very far to realize no. without the ability to protect yourself, protesting is is a fallacy. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, the, th the way I see it is you have to have the citizens have at least a certain amount of force to fight back with, if not equal to its, its government. So, and people laugh at the idea you're like oh you, you want to have guns because you want to fight the government if you actually got into a fight with the government do you actually think that you you know everyone would win against the government they have airplanes and and missiles and everything else I'm like how long have we been in iraq hey well that that's an interesting point keaton is 
uh, and we talked about this before, and I know that you know this statistic, but what percentage of the colonists fought the British? And the answer is somewhere around 3 to 6%. This idea that it takes 65% of, uh, of a population or 50% or 20% or even 10%, it does not take that many armed citizens to stop the advancement of tyranny. And yeah. that to me has to be has to be at least in the conversation of, hey, why if, – if we're talking about gun deaths and we're talking about saving lives and we're talking about these high-capacity ammunition and we're talking – or uh, uh, magazines and we're talking about um, these you know, super deadly rounds, which we'll get into that. But if we're talking about those things, they actually make up somewhere around 2% of the gun deaths in this country. Yeah. Why is there a specific – assault against the quote-unquote assault weapon, which I hate that word. That is not what AR means. But it's like, if we're really all about saving lives, why are we going after the single gun that is used 2% of the time? Yeah. That's, not even, that's not even the culprit. And so if you ask yourself, if this is, the, this is a weapon that can be used to defend the pillars of Western civilization – it accounts for less than 2% of gun deaths in the United States. Why is that the weapon that is continually pushed to ban? And that's the part that you get a little bit into a, you know, you sound like a conspiracy theorist. But if you follow the information and say, why is this the most important thing to them? Why is the AR-15 on their radar? Why is that something? Yeah. And and it, it, it comes back to this notion of, that is the mechanism in which the Second Amendment applies right now. That right. is the, the, the weapon of choice um, uh, to be able to, to defend against government tyranny. And the idea of, do you really think that you could, uh, 200 people with AR-15s could hold off the U.S. government? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because it, it, it happens. It's already happened. And... Uh, yeah, it's not like they'd be able to hold them off forever, but that's not the point. The point is the the population does not have a stomach for watching their brothers and fathers. And I'm in no way uh, uh, saying that we're even close to this. But the, the U.S. population doesn't have the stomach to watch brothers, cousins, friends get murdered by a, a uh, uh National Guard that gets called in. Can you imagine if you're in Jacksonville and the National Guard comes in and starts shooting Jacksonville citizens because they yeah. won't comply with the law? Yeah. How long until you think that population turns and says, we actually don't like our government now? And that's really the issue is we're talking about the ability to slow down an overreaching government. And um, that's, that's the crux of it. Um, and until yeah, we have that conversation, it's, it's really hard to, to you know – even have one. Yeah, well, you're right. You're right. And that's, that's the ultimate reason for the second amendment is to keep a overbloated power hungry government at bay. And Oh my God, do we have a overbloated power hungry government right now? <laughs> and you know, I, I would right, like to, right. I would like to share your, you know, skepticism of a civil war or like a, a conflict happening within the United States. But I think we're stepping closer to that every single day. You know, I used to kind of 
put off the idea whenever I would hear something like that, like, oh, we're, we're getting closer and closer to actually having conflict within our own borders uh, with each other. And, and, but as the years have gone on and the, and the political um, temperature has, has been risen to the point where it is today, I, you know, you no longer can actually, you can't actually laugh at that idea. It's actually becoming more and more serious by the day. And as I said before, you know, people on the left usually scoff at the idea where you, um, where you bring up that the second amendment is to, to keep the government in check. And they're like, well, you know, what are you afraid of? Take your tinfoil hat off. The government isn't out to get you. When I have plenty of examples where the government is out to get its own people. You know, we, we talked about Operation Northwoods, yeah. the, the Bundy Ranch standoff, the uh, Waco, Texas, where the ATF and the FBI uh, set fire and murdered women and children and tried to cover it up. And so and then you also had the Obama administration. Uh, Obama consolidated some insanely scary powers to the executive branch. He's, he signed into law that the U.S. government can detain any American citizen without trial. And he even drone striked American citizens in Yemen. Um, and I mean, if that doesn't scare you, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, those are the perfect examples of why we need this within our own borders. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think about the, you know, we don't have to look very far. Uh, fortunately, we have countries that are just just ahead of us in the progressive um, progressive agenda, and that is the United Kingdom. We can look over there and see exactly how things Boy. are working and yeah, exactly what's going fast. on. And well, if there's no, if there's something that if this doesn't scare you, or at least cause great concern. Like you said, I don't know what to tell you, and that is the the video of the police in London going to a man's home to warn him about his rhetoric online. And he said, have I broken <laughs> any laws? And they said, no, we just want to warn you about your rhetoric. We just so want to threaten you a with, little bit. We just want to let you know that what you're doing, it displeases the king. Basically yeah. is what's being said there. Like, we just want you to know that the powers that be are displeased with your rhetoric. Like, what does that mean? Like, what in the world does that mean? And then you look at China with their social credit system and you think these are citizens that have no ability. They have no power because once, once, the, once the power is all consolidated and the ability to resist removed – you start to see things like a social credit system where you cannot buy a plane ticket or train ticket in China bank loan. because because of some crap that you said in private to someone else or said in a chat room or said in a blog it's 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 not far fetched because it's happening and so it always is interesting to me that why does the rest of the world care about our Bill of Rights. Why does a shooter in New Zealand shoot a bunch of innocent Muslims and say, I'm interested to see what the American system does with this? It's because what the American system is, is unique, it's beautiful, and it's worth protecting. And there's all this commotion about our system. And it's because we're the only ones that have it. We're the only ones that say the individual is the most important thing. And that is a pillar of Western society. And every time we slide uh, 
for whatever reason, whether it be security, whether it be the best intentions, and we all know that the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. It's like all these good intentions are eroding Western civilization. And we know it's it's like we know where this goes. We know what happens when the when the masses control the individual, when the individual is sacrificed on the altar of group. We know what this does. Yeah. And that's that's why I know I'm beating a dead horse, but it's just the idea yeah. that Guns just happen to be the mechanism that the individual has to tell a group, no, I do not comply. Yeah. It, it, it's so disturbing to see people on the left fighting so hard to give their rights away to the government. Um, they are fighting so hard to give their rights away. They, they do this while at the same time screaming that Trump is literally Hitler and is leading a fascist takeover of the country. And, and in the hope to stop individual mass shootings like this, they are willing to force the entire population to disarm themselves against an organization that is responsible for some of the most mass murders in history, <laughs> the government. And so it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, forgive me if I'm a bit skeptical of a government whose power is just rolling out of control at the moment and with no signs of slowing down. And then you're going to tell well, me every, that I need to disarm myself against that. <laughs> yeah. Every religion has cognitive dissonance in it. Every single one. And if the government is your God and statism is your religion, uh, then it is really, like, of I course, mean, that's a perfect, of example. course, there's, really of is course a there's, yeah, of, of course there's cognitive dissonance in it because what you're going on is faith. The idea, like, it, it doesn't make sense that you can call Trump Hitler and say that the government is in the hands of a madman and yet want to give that government more power and disarm yourself unless you have some sort of religious-type belief in the institution of government. And and that's the only way I can rationalize and get my brain around the fact that, that people are literally sacrificing their their future, they're sacrificing their freedoms on this altar of, of government because it's in, in government we trust. And so the cognitive dissonance can be overlooked because they have faith. They have faith in it. Yeah. Well, some of the other things that, uh, to kind of jump back into, um, some of the things that Brooke Baldwin, uh, at CNN brought up about this shooting. She, she complained that gun sales, um, in the United States spike after these events. And Dave Smith over at part of the problem, he had a great take on this line. He said, yeah, I wonder why gun sales spike after an event where people watch a live stream of unarmed people just get slaughtered. I I wonder why that is. I I wonder, Hmm, maybe it's because people don't want to be in that situation. They, they, they saw what happened when they weren't prepared for a, terrible situation to happen and you actually see this in um in new zealand now where there you have citizens relinquishing their guns to the government they're traveling down to local police stations and turning over their weapons and for what like for what yeah like you don't know who's to say who's to say that someone doesn't break down your door tomorrow and threatens you with a weapon and you can't defend your family it's just it's mind blowing yeah. to me and and she also and the brought thing up is, Keaton, those are 
I was going to say, those are good people. The, the people that are doing it are people that don't want anything to do right. with violence. And they don't want anything to do with, you know, quote, being part of the problem. And they've been convinced that somehow this inanimate object that sits in their house is part of a problem. And it condones violence. And they've ascribed these attitudes and beliefs to a piece of metal. And, and they think that by, t- by getting rid of that piece of metal, that they have somehow ridded the world of a, a symbol of violence. And these are good people. Yeah. Um, just, just terribly misinformed and, and terribly misguided, um, it, in my opinion. It really, oh, well, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it is sad to see such, because you know they have the purest of intentions while they're doing this. It's just, it, it hurts me to see them do this because they're so uninformed and uneducated about, it's like they're doing it purely off of emotion. They're not even thinking about it logically. Um, Another thing that Brooke Baldwin brought up, it was the, um, she said that 40,000 were killed per year due to, uh, gun violence. This, this number is correct. However, it's very misleading. Um, two thirds of that is suicides and a vast majority, uh, of those, uh, left in the one third is from gang violence. Um, and a vast majority of all of these are with handguns, not even rifles. And we'll kind of get into the numbers uh, later on, but I just thought that, you know, she doesn't dive into, you know, well, a, a vast majority of this 40,000 is is with suicides and with the 11,000 left, uh, maybe around 400, 500 were from, um, or excuse me, it's more of, let's see, I have the exact number here, 463 were from rifles, handguns are far more, um, far higher on the homicide rate than rifles are. And, and you also have blunt objects, fists and feet that are higher that kill more people per year than rifles do as well. So that, that including suicides in that number to boost it up to 40,000 is extremely misleading. Yeah, and they can do that by calling it a gun crime and a suicide is a murder of self. So I've even seen that number – I've even seen suicide included in murder rates because it is considered a murder of self. And um, the the crazy – I saw a meme the other day, which is an awesome place to get informed on your news. But (laughs) it just said, we have a mental health problem masquerading as a gun problem. And you're looking at that's that's over 72 people a day that are taking their own life. And yeah. the vast majority are on psychoactive drugs. And that without including that in the conversation and that that dirty little secret of almost every mass shooter in American history has been on a psychoactive drug. Uh, uh, I think it's called psychotropics. Psychotropics. Yeah, that. Yeah, that conversation is never had and it's it kind of goes back to that whole until you can sit down and have an honest conversation about all the factors and what is actually at stake until you can have the full conversation these these CNN Fox News MSNBC whichever your source is these quick talking points of this that or the other you know one of the things Brooke Baldwin failed to mention was at the end of every shooting there is a call for legislation to make guns illegal 
Well, of course you're going to have people buy guns. It's a supply and demand. When I mean, you can watch the Cola Wars, the documentary on Pepsi versus Coke, when Coke suspended Coke Original and you couldn't find it anywhere. When right. they reintroduced it, it, it exploded. Yeah. So the threat of, t- of, of making guns illegal is going to cause a spike in them. Not only that, but like what you said, this idea that people don't want to be victims. How many times do you have to watch people get shot, men, women, and children, as they run for their life before you think, I don't want to be a victim? Of course, the only option that you have is to arm yourself with the mechanism to defend yourself. Yeah. And so it's, there's, there's so many things that just in a little smattering of, you know, blah, 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 blah. You, there's so much wrong with what she said because it, it, it's misleading at best. And you, you hear a lot of just really very often whenever you hear um, news anchors or political figures talk about guns, most of the time these people are severely uneducated on the subject. Um, you're most likely being fed gross misinformation or just straight up partisan lies. Um, so what I wanted to do, I, we'll kind of move into this next topic here. I, I want to kind of focus on the misleading topic points or like the, some of the popular misinformation that is spread, um, during these, um, during these times and during these debates. Um, and one of the first items I wanted to cover was you see semi-automatic and automatic conflated constantly. And, and, and so to, to kind of start us off, Matt, why don't you explain for the listener who may not know, I know some, you know, a lot of my listeners may already know this, but a lot of people don't know. And, and they hear this on the news and they think when someone says semi-automatic, it's an automatic weapon when that is definitely not the case. So why don't you kind of outline the difference between semi-automatic and automatic for the listeners? Sure. Um, if you own an automatic weapon, it's illegal. It's a felony. And if you own a semi-automatic, it's legal. Yeah. <laughs> the main difference is if, if you have an automatic weapon in your hand and you pull the trigger and hold it, it will continue to fire. And you got to think like a machine gun. It's, it's just going to keep firing until the gun or the weapon is, is out of ammunition. A semi-automatic requires you to pull the trigger every time you want a bullet to fire. So an automatic fires automatically. You pull the trigger and it continues firing. If you have a semi-automatic, which is legal, automatic's illegal. No one is allowed to have those except special very, licenses very under special few, circumstances. Yeah, very few cases yep. where you have to get very specialized licenses to, to be able to buy those weapons. But majority of the time, right. the, and, the public is banned from those. And the thing about a semi-automatic is most weapons are semi-automatic these days. You have some bolt-action deer rifles. You have some pump-action shotguns. But for the most part, most weapons, when you pull the trigger, a bullet go, it, 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 the gun fires. And then you pull the trigger again, it fires again. One pull, one that bullet. That is the difference. One, one trigger pull, one bullet. Now, a lot of times, the, the automatic, it was, it was designed, and I know there's people who will disagree with me here, but... It's mostly used in suppression fire, meaning when troops are moving, they will have a couple people shoot in what's called a burst, which is and what that does is it keeps people's heads down, the enemy's heads down, so they don't get shot at. And so the the federal government said, we don't really think that the citizens should have this. And guess what? 
almost everyone agrees. You have some hardcore people that say, you know, every gun law is an infringement. But for the most part, the NRA did not fight that. They said, okay, that's fair. We, it's okay not to have automatic weapons. And, and, and we're all okay with that. So this idea that there's a bunch of automatic weapons out there, it's just, it's just not true. Yeah. So, um, like Matt said, nearly all guns are semi-automatic. So when you hear these talking heads on the news say that they're not going for your guns, they just want to get semi-automatics. You're like, well, uh, that's a vast majority of the guns that you would take. That's a lot of guns. That is, that is almost all pistols aside from, you know, uh, revolvers, a vast majority of rifles that you would take. And so, you know, what I wanted to play for you and the listeners is I've heard this so many times with this semi-automatic and automatic conflated. This is CNN's Don Lemon. Don Lemon, who who has a very strong opinion on gun control. He doesn't know the difference between a semi-automatic and an automatic rifle. Let's listen into this. Says that you and I can't just randomly go out and buy an automatic weapon. So let's deal with the facts here. A semi-automatic weapon is a gun that you and I are allowed to own. And in different places, they have different rules. But to imply that anyone can walk out and buy an automatic weapon is just not true, Don. What do you mean anyone can't? Well, listen, during the theater shooting in Colorado, I was able to go and buy an automatic weapon. And I, you know, maybe have shot a gun three, four times in my life. I don't even live in Colorado. I think most people can go out and buy an automatic weapon. Don, what is your, what is your definition your of, an, auto, what is your definition of an automatic weapon? What is your definition of an automatic weapon? Uh, uh, well, for me, an automatic weapon is something that you can shoot off a, a number of rounds, a number of rounds very quickly. I was able to buy Don, an AR-15 it, an, Don, an AR within 20 minutes semi, in a state from, Don, of which that I'm not a and You don't that I'm know not in all due respect. You don't know what you're talking about. An automatic weapon is when you pull the trigger one time and it continually shoots off one after another after another. A semi-automatic weapon. I, I can do that with my. A, I can do that with my AR-15. You're getting to, into you semantics can, here, just because it's not I semantics. Am, hang on, you're getting into semantics. He's really saying you're, you're getting into the facts. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's listen. I'm just going to blow you off right now and say you're getting into semantics because you're calling me out for something I don't understand. And so it's so infuriating to hear this. And so it's like, I can't, you know, I used to want to give these people the benefit of the doubt that they're just ignorant. Um, but this exchange right here is so interesting because not only is he told the truth, he's like, no, no, AR-15 is not an automatic rifle. It's a semi-automatic rifle. It's not automatic. He's like, what is your definition of an automatic weapon? And then this goes into like the whole, uh, my truth versus the truth. And I just absolutely hate that, that term, my truth. There is no, my truth. It's just the truth and not the truth. And so he's saying, what is your definition of an automatic weapon then Don? And he says, well, to me, the definition of an automatic weapon is that I can fire off individual rounds very quickly. He's like, well, there is no your definition of an automatic weapon. There is like, there is no <laughs> yeah. well for me an automatic weapon is this. No, there there there's already a definition for that. And what you have is an AR15 which is a semi-automatic rifle. It does not have an automatic setting on that. It's just man. And then you also Yeah, have, Alex Go ahead. 
I, I was going to say, Alexander Zolzhenitsyn has a quote that says, everything that you add to truth only subtracts from truth. And the, like you said, you never want to ascribe malice when ignorance will do. You never want to assume that somebody has bad intentions. We should first assume that they might not know. But the fact that this guy is trying to explain to him that you're wrong, like what you're saying is wrong, and he and he just buries even further and shakes it off as saying, well, you're just getting caught up in semantics. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's at that point, it's like you said, you, you, you can't now, I cannot ascribe ignorance to you because someone is trying to tell you and you are, you are refusing to change your rhetoric and you are refusing to be factually correct. You are refusing to be truthful. And that's, that's when you get into a point where you just say, this isn't, this isn't about, it's easy. I should say this. It's easy for pro second people to say, this isn't about guns because we're not having a logical debate. This isn't about that. This is about the attack of freedom. And that's why pro-second people bristle so hard and bury their heads on the freedom side is because when you attempt to have a, a, a logical, truthful debate, uh, it's almost impossible. Yeah. Well, it's just like in that exchange, it's just, you know, he's being told the truth and then he just brushes it off as semantics. It's like, oh, I understand now. You know, not only do you not know the truth, you don't want to know the truth. All you want to know, right. all you want to do is further your agenda. It's just, you you know Don Lemon, man, you know that guy is sitting there pushing his agenda, and he can't do research on what is a semi-automatic and automatic rifle. He knows what he's saying. That's why I can't take that guy in good faith and say he's just misunderstood when a guy just tried to tell him the truth and he brushed him off. I, I can't take that in good faith. He's He's just ridiculous and this is another cnn segment here where <laughs> I, I i laugh at this but it is it's it's equally as frustrating but cnn did a segment on the ar-15 and they brought in this military this retired army um i, I don't know what he did for the army but he, he's a retired veteran and he actually uttered the words fully fully semi-automatic he says fully semi-automatic. <laughs> and so let's, yeah. let's listen to this. This is, I mean, it's funny, but it's frustrating. Originally built for the battlefield, a defining characteristic of the AR-15 is the speed and power of the bullet. Now those are single shots. If I wanted to fire this on full semi-automatic, all I do is keep firing. Now, I won't probably hit the target when I do this, when we look at the target later on, but I'm going to fire about oh, five it. shots. Okay. It's a weapon designed to inflict maximum damage. <sighs> it's, it's, That's it's, hard. That, it's, that one's tough. That one's real tough. It's so frustrating because this guy is from the military. He should... He knows better. He should know better. And it's so frustrating to hear him say full semi-automatic. That's not a thing. It's just semi-automatic. Okay, one trigger pull, one bullet. And he, what they're obviously doing is they're they're trying to associate semi-automatic with full automatic. So full semi-automatic. And so it's just so frustrating to hear that. And CNN read, ran this Keaton. segment. They knew exactly what they were doing. Imagine that you're that you're uh, scrambling eggs, 
and I say, here I am scrambling eggs. And I scramble my eggs. And then I go, if I want to go full scramble, I go like this and I just scramble them faster. It's like, <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> that's still, that's, that's just not scrambling eggs. <laughs> you're literally, it's the same thing. There's no such thing as a full scramble. Like once the yolk is broken and you've scrambled them, that's what they are. A semi-automatic is a semi-automatic. There is no full semi-automatic. It is, it's either an automatic or a semi-automatic. There is no full, like that whole, and it just seems like we're trying to confuse. It well, just makes it thing. as confusing yeah. as it can possibly be. Well, that's, that's what they're trying to do. That's, that's the only explanation I have for that is they're trying to confuse people with the, the terminology of semi-automatic and full automatic. And, you know, when you're talking about policy, and this is where I, I, I keep coming back to this, when you're talking about something as important as the Bill of Rights, semantics do matter. They are semantics so important. Absolute, <laughs> they absolutely matter. And to, to just write them off, it just, it's, it's such a scary thing because you're like, at best, you're ill-informed. At worst, you're a threat to Western civilization. Um, but one other thing I wanted to mention in there is this idea that the AR-15 was built for the military. It was not. Um, the M4 and the, and the M16 are built for the military. Um, AR stands for Armalite, which is the company that makes the AR-15 or that designed the AR-15. Um, it does not stand for automatic rifle. It does not stand for <laughs> assault rifle, which what does that even mean? And uh, it's that whole notion that it is a military rifle. It is not. Um, secondly, the idea that the rounds were built to inflict maximum damage, what round (laughs) is designed to inflict minimal damage? Right. Because that's, that's what I want to see. It does shoot a a smaller caliber round. Yeah. And that's, here's, that's the crazy thing about the whole thing is number one, the whole idea that the round is built for maximum damage. Every round is built for maximum damage to give, to give a lethal, uh, to dispatch an animal, uh, humanely, but it is illegal as in it is not legal to shoot deer in Georgia with an AR 15. Why? Because the round is not lethal enough. It is too small and, and it does not cause enough damage to humanely kill a white-tailed deer. So this idea that the AR-15 somehow has this unbelievably strong, lethal, deadly bullet, the government doesn't even let you use it to shoot deer with because it's not deadly enough. It's There's so much wrong with it. And you watch it and you, you have to laugh, but you're also a little bit nauseous because <laughs> this guy was in the army? Yeah, he was retired. He's, he's a retired... What are we teaching these people? I don't... Man, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know. I, I, di- I wasn't able to look up his military background, but it said he was retired from the army, and he's an older gentleman. I imagine he's been in some sort of leadership position over there. So that's that's why it's so frustrating and surprising to see that man say everything that he said. It's wild. Yeah, it's 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 wild, man. That that whole thing was um, it, just listening to it. You're. If you don't know anything about guns, you think to yourself, that's scary. Why does anybody need anything like that? But if you know anything about them, you're, you're thinking, that's not right. 
none of none of this is not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah, and if you wanted to, if you wanted to be a, a a madman and inflict and actually inflict maximum damage, there are far many weapons that work just the same as the AR-15 that shoot larger rounds, and you can shoot it at this exact same rate. And, and, and load the exact same amount of ammunition. And the thing is like, they're, they're making this out to be the boogeyman because it's, it's what it is. It's like, they say it's cool looking. It's, it looks like a military grade weapon, right? So it's because it's a scary look where you can get the exact same rifle in a wood stock and there's wooden, wooden paneling all over it. It's the exact same weapon. And most people wouldn't ban that. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's wild. And so the next thing I wanted to cover another popular misconception that you see in the news is they tout that gun free zones actually work. Um, and I don't understand why I see this sometimes in the news where like, you know, people are surprised that these types of events happen in, in in gun free zones. And so I did some research into this and the study that I pulled up here which is an unbelievable study. It's, it's done by the Crime Prevention Research Center. They found that mass public shootings keep occurring in gun-free zones 97.8% of the time, uh, or excuse me, at 97.8% of attacks since 1950. 97.8% of mass shootings take place in gun-free zones. That's a lot. Well, I mean, it, it just makes sense. Like... If you are a mentally ill person that wants to inflict maximum damage on the population, where would you go? Like, where else would yeah. you go? And why would you advertise these areas? It also tells you that mass shooters are cowards. They're not, they're not brave individuals. It's not like they're going to a place where they're expecting a fight. They're going to slaughter innocents. Yeah. They're going for, to a place where... Um, it's it's kind of like you talked about what what stopped the second mosque shooting in New Zealand, and it was the fact that somebody shot back one gentleman with a gun. And it turned, yeah. yeah, it turns out that that mass shooters don't like to be shot at, and um, when you shoot at them, they they are less committed than they were before. Um, but ninety seven point eight that that should tell you that gun free zones are. Are, are ineffective. And that kind of takes you to another whole topic, Keaton, and that is the idea that limiting some guns isn't going to do it. You would have to eliminate all guns. All guns. And then you'd yeah. have to eliminate all knives, like London is trying to do. Well, and then you'd the have thing, to eliminate yeah. hammers. You can keep going down the list, too. And that's the thing. It's just like, oh, we don't, you know, the and you kind of hit on this before. You know, you hear people go, nobody's coming for your guns. The government is going to come grab your guns. We just want to ban AR 15s and rifles. Right. And you go, well, what, why, why, why are you wanting to ban these rifles? And they're like, well, they take the most lives. And you say, no, they don't take the most lives. They're not even close. As far as, as far well, as gun homicides, they're in the very low single digit percentage rates. So it's like, if you're, like you said before, if your goal is to save lives, the only logical conclusion that you could come to that is that you would ban all guns. And, and then you, right. you already see places that have done this, and you look at London and the UK. They have a knife murder epidemic over there. They have a knife stabbing epidemic. 
and they they really have a crisis over there. They're the they're the leading place in the world for acid attacks, where they get people to get thrown Jesus. Uh, acid all over them. And uh, I mean, violent crime is on the rise in London and in the UK. You know, I've I've found that it surprises most people to say, "Did you know that we have banned ARs before? Did you know that we have done that in America?" Yeah, they, they happened in know- the in the 90s. Yeah. It had the Brady no, zero effect on violent crime. Do you know what effect it had on gun crime? None. And the answer, the answer, and most people who are pro-gun control, they're like, well, just the AR-15s. And if I said, okay, if we banned them for 10 years and it had zero impact, would you be willing to say that maybe it's not that weapon? Maybe that's not the weapon to ban? If, if, we, if, we, if I agree with you to do it for 10 years... Would you be open to that, to do a 10-year study to where we get rid of them and see what happens? And they usually go, yeah. And I say, fantastic. Then it's we agree. Al- it doesn't work. It's already been done. Because we've already done it. We've already done it recently. And most people are shocked to find that out. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a trap, but you ask them, you know, would you be willing to, if, if I said, okay, for 10 years, would you be willing to do that? Most people say, absolutely, I would, because they're convinced it would work. And then you say, great, we did it. In 1994 to 2004, the Brady Bill was, was in effect. And in 2004, it went out under George W. Bush. And guess what happened to gun crime? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It's not the AR-15. Yeah. It's just not. Well, and, there, it's it just goes back, man. It's it's the boogeyman. It's the it's the it is. It's a gun. scary looking gun. It looks like a military style gun. It looks it looks cool. It's like what you see in video games. That's the reason why it's the boogeyman. And and then another popular misconception is that violent crime is on the rise in the U.S. Um, this is false. Uh, violent crime in the U S has been dropping for years and it is at its lowest point since the 1980s and it's continuing to drop despite gun sales going up. And we actually have more guns in the population now than ever before. And violent crime is at its lowest rate. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something we miss. And that is this idea that we are living in the greatest time to be alive, in the greatest country to be alive, in the history in human of history. humanity. Yeah. In recorded history, there's never been a greater time to be alive. And I think we take for granted, if you, if you have not done, and I'm not some amazing historian, I'm not some, uh, I, I'm not the most intelligent person. I, I reserve the right to be wrong and I reserve the right to change my mind. And I'm, I'm open to it. And there are really smart, great people on both sides of the conversation. But if we're not at least factoring in this idea that individual freedom and sovereign property rights are very, very rare in human history. Very, very, almost non-existent. Nobody else is doing this right now in the world. Yeah, I mean it's it's about the United a United States year is the, is the only right place. <laughs> it's the only place that has the Second Amendment that says the citizens have the right to defend themselves against their own government. Well, if you're looking for global control, that's a huge liability. Why in the world does New Zealand, Australia, China, the UK? Uh, the European Union, why do they give a crap about our Second Amendment? Why is Pierce Morgan over here trying to lecture us on our gun culture? Why does he care? 
And then when we dive into this, the actual statistics, the arguments that he had didn't even play, didn't even pan out. No, they don't hold. It's any like why water. do they care? And then when you try to have a conversation, there's so many misstatements, and I don't want to call them lies because I don't want to assume on their character. But there's yeah, so many misstatements semantics. in their arguments. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it, there's so much to it that it just becomes very hard. As a pro second person, and I will say that the, the 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 gun control advocates have done a good job of painting a a really broad brush to say that if you are pro second amendment, you're pro death, and you're you're pro violence. When in fact, the yeah. opposite is true. Right, and that's the thing that we as and I say we. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this only because your guy did such a good job. But we as conservatives slash possible libertarians. Um, have the I've always considered myself conservative. I don't know if I consider myself libertarian, but hearing that guy talk, I thought maybe I am. <laughs> um, but we have to do a better job of having the conversation from a a place of truthfulness, openness, but also what's at stake. And it can't just be about guns, because if the whole argument becomes about guns, then it can be framed around violence and be framed around murder. And what are you okay with uh, an individual having uh, the ability to get a gun? And the the freedom in freedom there there's tension, right? When you love somebody, they have the freedom not to love you back. They have the freedom to cheat on you. In freedom, there's always going to be tension. And we have to, as conservatives, as libertarians, as lovers of individual freedoms, do a better job of articulating the st- the, the reason we have the views that we do on the Second Amendment. Far beyond guns, because if the gun frames the argument, we lose. Uh, Another popular misconception is, which we already kind of covered this, is that assault rifles are the weapon of choice for mass shooters. Yeah, the assault weapon, assault rifle. Um, So this isn't even close. Handguns are used far more often than the AR-15 and other rifles in mass shootings. In fact, knives, blunt objects, and even hands and feet kill more people than the AR-15 and other rifles every year, according to the FBI. So I will link, I will link all my sources. I will have all my sources in the, uh, in the show notes. Uh, If everyone um, wants to take a look at those, let's see for themselves, make sure I'm not lying. I'm telling you, I got it from the FBI. I got it pulled up right here. Um, Next point, the good guy with the gun talking point is a myth. You see this all the time, um, especially on the left left wing media. You see, oh, you know, the the, the good guy with the gun uh, talking point is a myth. You know, the, the, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. That's just not true. Well, it actually is true. Um, and the reason I know this is because the CDC conducted a study in 2013 that confirmed defensive use of guns far outweigh violent uses of guns. So what I want to do here, I want to read a little bit of this. So the study says defensive use of guns by crime victims is a common occurrence, although the exact number remains disputed. Although all national survey estimates indicate that defensive gun uses by victims are at least as common as offensive uses by criminals, with estimates of annual uses ranging from about 500,000 to more than 3 million. 
in the context of about 300,000 violent crimes involving firearms in 2008. So, that means, at its lowest estimate, guns are used just as often as they are, uh, excuse me, they are used just as often defensively as they are offensively at 500 to 300,000, and at its highest estimate, they are used defensively 10 times more than they are offensively. Yeah, uh, <laughs> those those statistics kind of stand on their own. Um, one quick thing I would add to the mass shooting uh, statistic you mentioned, that is there are somewhere around 13 definitions of what a mass shooting is. Um, so we can't even come to a consensus on what that is. The CDC, the FBI, the ATF, they all have different definitions of what a mass shooting is, and it moves around depending on what numbers they need to get. Yeah, the statistics that's are a, easily easily skewed. You'll see left wing statistics that um, that incorporate shootings where no one was um, no one was killed. Um, there was just a gun yeah. discharged in an area where there was three or more people. That doesn't mean people were dead. So you see these studies where like America has the most mass, mass shootings, shooting. the most mass shootings in the world. You know, the the, the mass shootings are on the rise. And if you actually take a look at those studies and you actually find, I believe the study that was, that was um, fed around all of the media outlets where they got this like 300 mass shootings uh, in a year uh, number that was from Reddit. Something crazy. Yeah. It was, it was the the source, the source was from Reddit and what they actually found. And I'm going to try and remember this as best as I can. And what they actually found is a majority of those, no one was actually killed. It was just, um, and I believe yeah. one, of, one of the shootings that was added in that study was with a BB gun where kids were playing with a yep. BB gun and they shot, they, one of them got hit with the BB. And so that consi- that they added yep. that to the mass shooting number. So you got to take, and these- you think about it in, in gang activity, a lot of times there's more than three people around when the weapon is fired. Yeah. That's going to count. That's going to skew your data if you're including that. Now, some some don't, but it's it's what I'm saying is it's just difficult to get a good starting point because somebody can hit you with a study that just sounds unbelievable. And it's because, well, you shouldn't really believe it on its face. Yeah, it's cherry pick data, uh, and the best thing I can, the best thing I I tell people to do is look at it for yourself. If you see something, if you see a study that they're talking about on on the media, or if you see it on on social media, Facebook, and all these different sites where you see your friends talking about it, just take a look at it. Like, go and see how they actually found those numbers. It doesn't actually take too long to look at these things, and then you can see how bunk it is. Yeah, and I know that we're we're getting a little crunch for time here at the end, but I, the last thing that you talked about was the the good guy with the gun is a myth. If if the bottom statistic is true, then then guns are used at least as often to save lives as they are to take lives, and at at the most, it's ten times as much. The question that you have, we go back to this whole idea of don't ascribe malice when ignorance will do, but if if that's true, if the CDC did not make that statistic up, then why are we why are we going after guns when the good does in all likelihood far outweigh the negative? The, yeah. Why? 
Why are we doing that? And you can draw your own conclusions, but that's where I come back to Keaton. We have to get better as conservatives, as people that are want more than anything to protect the bill of rights and to keep it sacred and to uh, keep this Western civilization of individual freedoms and sovereign property rights. If we want to keep that going, we've got to get good. We've got to get better and more proficient at articulating our stances and why they are the way that they are. And the reason that we quote unquote entrench into our guns is not that I'm entrenched into a gun. It's that I am entrenched that there be a method or a mechanism intact in which the citizenry can resist a tyrannical government. Yeah, I completely agree. And hopefully this episode can, um, well, hopefully some people learned a couple things that they may not have known. Um, if anything, I hope that this can kind of sharpen you and prepare you for um, conversations that are very likely to come up in your life with, with either people online, whether it be online or in person. You, you need to know these things. This is an important debate. This is this is the line that will need to be crossed if something is going to happen in this country. So that they're they're going for the guns. They want the gun control this is the line in the sand. If something is going to happen with balkanization or, you know, if the country is going to split in two, if there's going to be a conflict in there, this is where the line in the sand is drawn. Um, and what you sure. have to do is yeah. you have to educate your fellow people around you, um, and have a civil, civil conversation about it. Um, but Matt, thank you for coming on my friend. I had a, I had a lot of fun talking to you. You, you said, you said a lot of great things that I think the listeners, um, will appreciate hearing. Sure, man. I, I enjoy it every single time. And like I said, I reserve the right to be wrong and uh, I don't know everything. So if you, if I've said something that you vehemently disagree with, uh, message the show and Keaton will get that message to me. And I, I'd love to learn something that maybe I don't know. Absolutely. Yes. So we, we'd love to hear from you. If you, if you listen to this, if you disagree with us, if you agree with us, uh, any comments are welcome. Um, just message us on Facebook. You can find us um, at freedom strips. Uh, if you haven't already check out bell house chats, that's Matt's podcast. Um, just some laid back interviews with some people in Georgia. A lot of interesting topics come up in that. Not nearly as political, but a lot of great fun to listen to. Uh, but Matt, thanks again for coming on my friend. Yeah, man, I, I enjoyed it. Thanks. Well, thanks everybody. We'll see you on the next episode of freedom strips.